We're starting a new series called Miracles. And what we're going to do is kind of look at some of the miracles of Jesus. And as a pastor, I often end up in conversations with with people on this topic. I'll be talking to somebody that's uh, facing a situation where they're struggling to kind of keep things together. I've been doing this for almost 30 years now, and um, I've heard and seen just about everything, all kinds of stuff that that people battle, uh, all kinds of challenges, things that people are trying to to deal with. And what usually happens in some point in the conversation, whoever it is I'm talking to will say, Damon, do you believe in miracles? And I always answer the same thing. Absolutely. I have seen miracles in people's lives. And in fact, I am a miracle. In that 20 years ago, I was um, in the hospital for three weeks shy of a year. And there came a point that the doctors said to me that they could not keep sustaining life. But God had another idea. And so I'll usually say the fact we're having a conversation today is a miracle. And people usually kind of perk up at that moment. Um, they'll say, so you, so you know how it works? No, not really. I don't understand. I don't understand how you can have two very similar situations. Both needing a miracle, both hoping for a miracle. And one will experience that miracle and the other one doesn't. I haven't figured it out. But I have learned some things through the years. As I have sought God, as I have seen God work, as I have tried to understand miracles. And that's what I want to look at the next few weeks, is to talk about some of that stuff, look at the many different types of miracles, a wide array of situations and needs, and kind of uh, unpack that. And so I really want to encourage you to make it a point of being here through this series, because I believe, if you're here for every session, that you will get a perspective, a better understanding of miracles, and as you get that perspective, I believe it will help you know what to do, what not to do, how to approach looking for a miracle, and and maybe you're here today and you need a miracle in your life. I talk to people all the time that need that, so we're going to look at a miracle. John 2, verses 1 through 5, Scripture says, on the third day, A wedding took place at Canaan of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Weddings back then were big deals. Now, they're big deals today, but back then they were huge. People would travel long distance by foot, sometimes by by camel, by cart. But they would go to a wedding and... It would take them days and days to get there. And scripture says that Jesus and his disciples, it took them three days. They traveled to to be at this wedding. And the 
today, a wedding usually lasts three or four hours, sometimes a little bit longer than that if you, you know, with reception and everything. But in those days, it was a week-long event. Now, uh, I raised two, two daughters, and my mind immediately goes to, I bet that was expensive. <laughs> but it was a huge celebration. And it involved a, a lot of eating and a lot of drinking and a lot of dancing. And, and as this wedding was going along, things were going pretty well. And then there's a problem. And it says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now this is an interesting conversation. This is a conversation between Jesus and and his mom. The fact is, Jesus had just started putting together his disciples. He was was kind of recruiting at that point. And he says, it's not my time yet. No one had an idea who Jesus really was. Well, Mary did. Mary was aware. Apparently, she knew what he was capable of. And so Mary tells the servants... Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. So the servants come to Jesus, and I kind of read between the lines in in stories, but I kind of picture Jesus saying, thanks, Mom. Okay, guys, tell you what. Do you see the six jars over there, those big jars? What are they, 20-gallon, 30-gallon? I want you to fill all those jars up with water, And I want you to bring them to me. And so they go, they fill them with water. In fact, it says till they were overflowing. And they bring those jars back to Jesus. Jesus says, well, I want you to draw a cup full of the water. And I want you to take it to the person that's in charge today. Take it to the wine tester. And can you imagine the servant? They dip the water up. They're looking at the water. They're going... uh, He's a wine taster, not a water taster. And Jesus looks him in the eye and says, I understand that. But maybe, just maybe, something will happen to that water between here and there. So the servants do what Jesus asks. And somewhere along the way, as they're carrying that water, Perrier becomes Chardonnay. This is Jesus' first recorded miracle. I believe it was his first miracle. But it's at least the first one that's recorded in Scripture. And I have often wondered why this is the first miracle. Because it's kind of behind the scenes. It, It was a need that popped up at a wedding. Jesus' mom kind of presses him to turn the water into wine. It's not a grand type miracle. You know, why not raising the dead or something like that? Instead, it's water to wine. And the more I've thought about this miracle through, through time and just wrestled with it, I, I think that this miracle 
has a lot to do with people's expectations. People had journeyed to come to that wedding. They expected, because it was a custom, they expected for there to be plenty of food and plenty to drink. And when they ran out, Jesus' mother had an expectation at that point. She looked at her son, and she says, I know who you are. You have the ability and the power to do something about this. And when Jesus says, I I don't think it's my time, she says, they have no more wine. Now, she was not just making a statement when she said that. She wasn't stating the obvious. She fully expected Jesus to do something, to respond to the situation. I also find it interesting, Jesus, I think, was dealing with his own expectations in that moment. If you back up to the first chapter of John, it's the chapter right before this one. Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. Scripture says the Holy Spirit descended upon him, that there was a voice from from heaven that said, this is my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. Jesus had just started recruiting the disciples. He didn't have all 12 of them. In fact, at that wedding, there were five of them at that point. Jesus is 30 years old. He's preparing to launch his public ministry. Jesus absolutely knows who he is. He knows what he is to do. He understands his purpose on on this earth. And he knows that his time is really close. Mom says, hey, It's time to do something. Jesus says, well, it's not my time yet. Do you feel that tension there at all? I can almost hear Jesus' mom, because I'm a parent, saying, you know, listen, son, you're, you're a great son. But you're 30 years old and you're still living at home. And and now you you brought five more guys to live here? You need to do something here. I think it's time for your public ministry to start today. Any parents think that's maybe what was said? (laughs) Expectations. Expectations. It is something that all of us deal with. When you came here today... Many of you came with some expectations, true? We all have expectations, and we all have unmet expectations in almost every area of our lives. In fact, I wonder, what are your expectations today? What are your unmet expectations that you're dealing with? I want you to identify those things. I mean, maybe it's a um, relationship. It's not what you expected. Maybe it's a job situation. It's just not what you expected. Maybe finances are turning. It's just not what you expected. It's not turning out the way that you thought. Maybe it's something with your kids or someone you love. 
Maybe it's a doctor's report that threatens to change everything. Maybe it's a devastating loss. Whatever it is, it's not what you planned. It's not how you saw things playing out in your life. It's just not what you expected. But friends, it's where you are. Maybe today, maybe maybe you're stressed out. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're uncertain about what tomorrow looks like. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're numb. Maybe you're just broken hearted. But friends, that's how it is in life sometimes. Things don't go the way that we expect. And I believe that's why this miracle, this miracle, is so incredible. Because this is about those expectations. Jesus shows up at the wedding. Everyday event. Everybody had expectations. And Jesus does something incredible. Just incredible. There's something I've learned through the years. That in life, sometimes things have to get worse before God makes them better. Have you figured that out yet? I mean, sometimes they just have to take a nosedive before God makes them better. It's been my experience in my life. It's been my observation. It is a principle you see throughout Scripture. I think about Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph had to go to prison, sold into slavery. He's sitting in prison for something he didn't do. And he had to go through that before God exalted him to a top position in the Egyptian government. David, David, uh, who God had called and promised him that he would be the king, the next king of Israel. In fact, he's even anointed for that position. And he spends years running for his life, hiding out in, in cold, dark caves, He has to face all these trials and problems before he would sit on the throne. I think about Peter. Peter, uh, one of the disciples, he he had to fail and fail miserably. And he had to experience God's grace before God would prop him up and say, lead my church. I read his story and He tells Jesus, I'll stand by you. No matter what, I will stand by you. You can count on me. Everybody else will bail out, but not me. And he turns and runs when a little girl spots him and says, aren't you one of the disciples? He denies even knowing. In fact, not just once. He does it three times. Later, after the resurrection, Jesus would meet him on the shoreline. I doubt that Peter could even look him in the eyes. And Jesus called Peter out of the pain. He calls him out of the shame. And he calls him to lead the church. I mean, Jesus calls Peter to a rock-solid place in his life. Scripture reminds me over and over and over again, sometimes life has to get worse Sometimes this world 
In fact, Scripture says this world will get worse before Jesus Christ returns and makes it a better place. Jesus finds himself in a weird situation. I mean, think about this. If you're not convinced, you've got to go through the turmoil in life. You know, Jesus prays in Gethsemane that he won't have to go to the cross, but he did. He had to face the abuse and the torture. He had to die on a cross for your sins and mine. He faced horrible things. Had to get worse before he'd be resurrected, before there would be hope, before there would be victory, before we would know forgiveness, before there would be eternal life. Things had to get worse before God made them better. Some of you, some of you are experiencing rough times. And today you would say, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. We are out of wine. Some of you are running out of hope. Some of you are running out of options. Some of you feel like your back's against the wall. You know, some of you, it is on the line and you are coming undone. Some of you, your hearts are broken and you're not sure you can continue on. And scripture says this. Peter writes these words. He says, and after you have suffered for a what? A little while. The word after, huge word there. It is key. After the wine runs out. After your husband or wife says, you know what, I am out of here. After you are told that you're not good enough. After you are handed that pink slip. After the finances dry up. After your kids tell you that they hate you and they don't want to ever talk to you again. After you receive that doctor's report. After you face your worst nightmare. After a little while. Here's the promise of God. While the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore and what? Support, strengthen, and establish you. God promises after a little while, he's going to show up. After a little while, he's going to strengthen you. After a little while, he will make you strong. After a little while, you will find your footing. After a little while, he will restore you. But friends, you've got to put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Many of us today are living, verse 3, where the wine is out. It's gone. We're running out of options. We're running out of hope. We're not sure we can keep going. And today, what I want you to know is with Jesus Christ, there's hope. With Jesus Christ, there's hope. God wants you to know that he will move you. He will move you from verse 3 to verse 10. He will move you from there is no wine to the very, very best of wine. It's a promise from God. I mean, how does he do it? How is it possible? Well, I think, first of all, you've got to look to Jesus Christ for your solution in life. You know, don't, don't just lose hope. Realize he's the answer. Jesus 
is that this wedding, things go wrong. They run out of wine. And his mom looks to him says, you can fix this. Here's my question for you today. Where are you looking for solutions? Where are you looking for solutions? I mean, too many times we look anywhere and everywhere for answers. We leave God out of the equation many times. I have watched people, and they kind of wait to seek God after they've exhausted every other option they can think of. I watch people that will place their hopes in all kinds of things, look for um, solutions in strange places, relationships falling apart. Instead of looking to God, we start looking to chat rooms, websites, neighbors, to fill the void because we're looking. You know, people struggling at work or at school, maybe not making the cut. So instead of looking to God, we start cutting corners, start shading the truth, start cheating, lying, doing whatever so we can make that cut. You know, finances dry up. Credit cards are the answer. Creative financing. Casinos. An unethical deal. And we know it, but we need the money. What solutions are you looking for? Where are you looking for those solutions? Where do you need to stop looking for solutions in your life? I mean, maybe you're looking to yourself. You're putting all your hopes in your ability in your talent. And at some point, friends, this is a newsflash. It won't work. At some point, it will not be enough. At some point, you have to decide to look to God for those answers. Things may get worse before God makes them better. But here's the deal. Jesus absolutely promises he will save the best wine, the very best for the last. This guy's the, the wine taster, the one that they took the, the water to. And this is what he said after he tastes the wine. People always serve the best wine first. Later, after the guests have been drinking a while, they serve the cheaper wine. But you have saved the what? Best wine till now. He's stating a common practice. You serve your very, very best. And you understand this, don't you? That after people have been eating and drinking for a while, let's just say they start feeling pretty good. Their tastes are dulled. And now you can serve the cheap stuff because nobody's the wiser. The guy testing the wine says, This is baffling. You, you, you saved the very best till the end. And what I want to tell you is God's best is coming. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose perspective of that. Don't give up. Do not lose hope 
Because God's best is coming, God is going to show up. I cannot begin to tell you how many times in in my life I have had my back against the wall. How many times I have looked and the options are all gone. How many times I have looked and all I see is something very, very hopeless. I can't tell you how many times I've been broken. And I wasn't sure I could take another step, that I could rise from the ashes. And friends, anytime I'm in that position, anytime I'm with someone that's in that position, I will tell them, here's what I do. I just get honest to God. I'm just honest with Him. I just look to God for for the solution. And I'll go to God and just say, you know what? This is a mess. It's a mess. I cannot see my way any longer. I am struggling. But God, I'm trusting you. And I know you will see me through. You always have. And friends, God has seen me through life. I have watched God carry people through life. But you have to look to him for the solution. For some of you today... It's a new day. It's a new way. John 16 says, this is Jesus, he says, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. When you look to Jesus Christ for solutions, when you ask God to get involved in your life. It changes things. You you find in the midst of the stress, in the midst of the pain, the hurt, God shows up. You, You find strength. You find that God gets involved in your life and in the situation that you are able to continue moving forward to keep keep things together to begin to find that joy. And I want to be clear about this because I am not saying that when you're going through whatever you're going through that you go, oh, I'm so happy I'm going through this. That's not the joy we're talking about. We're not saying everything turns out the way that we plan or want. But friends, it is the joy of knowing that God will see us through. It is the joy of knowing that God will save the very best for last. It is the joy of knowing that God will take whatever it is, whether it's our failures, our struggles, our pain, and God says, I will bring something good out of that. And that is where we find the joy. You know, Romans 8, uh, Paul, Paul writes these words, he says, We know that all things work together for good. For those, for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We have got to look to Jesus Christ, whatever the situation, we've got to ask, and then we have got to do what Jesus says. John 5, again, we're picking up in the, in the story. It says, His mother said to the servant, Do whatever he tells you. We have got to ask. Whatever it is, I don't know what you need to ask God today. 
I don't know what the struggle is today. But when you ask, then you've got to do as God calls you to do. Whatever it is he tells you, whatever it is that he speaks in, into your life, you've got to do it. This, this is an important principle. This is a principle of doing in life. James says, uh, James 2.17, he says, In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action is what? Dead. Without action, it's dead. In other words, you can come to church every Sunday. You can say you believe in Jesus Christ and God. You can say that you believe God's word. You can say that God is number one in your life. But friends, if there is no action, if you have nothing to back it up with, faith's dead. It's dead. I wonder, what, what is it? What is it that you're not obeying today? What is it that you are not putting into action? You know, what is it that you are doing that you know you shouldn't be doing? What is it that you're not doing that you should be doing? What is it you're chasing? What is it you're pursuing that's not God-honoring? What is it that needs to change in your life? This is where the rubber hits the road here. You know, God, God wants to show up in our lives. And we want God to show up. But sometimes we're not, we're not willing to be obedient. We're not willing to give God the reins. Sometimes we, we choose inaction in our lives. But at the same time, we fully expect God to act. Sometimes that's how it is. I see it all kinds of different ways in, in people's lives. See it all the time. All kinds of ways. We want God to show up. We want God to show up in our marriages. But we're not willing to let God lead our marriages. Guide our marriages. Not willing to submit to God. Not willing to submit to one another. Not willing to work at communicating and connecting. We want God to work in our finances, but we don't obey God and give him the first fruits to give him the, the tithe. We don't, we don't uh, allow God to, to work. We, we're not in action. You know, we want God to show up. I hear this from singles often. They're like, I want to find the right guy, you know, find the right gal. And then we kind of pursue it our way instead of God's way. Oh, I know, they're not a Christian, but, you know, I want what I want. Maybe I can change them. And we just pursue and pursue. People jump from bed to bed, and they wonder why it's not working out. I mean, we want God to show up. I hear people often, they'll say, you know, I I need a good Christian friend. But you're not willing to obey God. Not willing to connect, spend time with other Christians. I'm always pressing everybody saying, get get on a team in this church. Get in a small group. Connect. A place where you can start doing life together with other Christians. 
we want God to show up in our families, but we're not willing to give our families to God. We're not willing to spend time with our children. We're not willing to commit ourselves to making sure that they grow up in the faith. Not willing to do whatever is necessary to be the parents that you're called to be. Friends, I could go on and on and on. Where, where is it that you're wanting God to show up in your life? Where is it? And then I would ask you, what is it you're not obeying in God's word in that area? What is it you're not obeying? I mean, sometimes God prompts us. We know we should be doing this or not doing that or whatever. Make today the day that you begin to obey. Make today the day that you respond. Make the day this day and say, you know what? I am going to act in what God's called me to. Now, because the servants, the servants did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They obeyed him. Because of that, a miracle happens. And in fact, I'm going to take this a, a step further. Because I believe that because Jesus obeyed, he chose to obey, there was a miracle. In fact, the more I've looked at this story through the years, and this is a little bit hard to to process maybe, but think about this for a minute. When Mary comes to Jesus, she says, There is no more wine. You need to do something about this. Jesus initially says, no, no. My time has not yet come. Mom says, I understand you feel that way, son. But that's not what matters right now. And I can almost hear in her voice, You're going to do this. Now think about this. He then turns to the servants. Because why? She told him, she said, do whatever he tells you to do. Son, you're going to do this? Do whatever he tells you to do. And now you've got this tension. And so the servants do. Now, understand this, because this this is why it's hard to understand. It wasn't that Jesus didn't care. We know he had a deep, deep passion for, for people. We know that he was at that wedding, that he had traveled a long way for many days to be there. This was important to him. But I find a lot of hope in this because I realize Jesus cares about the day-to-day more than you and I can even imagine. Jesus was wrestling with his expectations of what God wanted from him. He knew why he had come to this planet. He knew his purpose. So when his mom makes the request, and he says, it's not my time yet. I don't have all my disciples yet. It's not time to go public when his mom presses him. She listened to him and then she goes, do whatever he tells you to do. 
I believe in that moment that Jesus realized he now was going to respond. Because I think in that moment, he thought about God's word, scripture. He knew it because it was all here. He remembered one of the Ten Commandments was to honor your father and mother. Game had changed. She wasn't asking him to do something that was counter to God, that was counter to God's word. She wasn't asking him to do something unreasonable. She wasn't asking him to do something he wasn't capable of. And I believe in that moment, he said, I've got got to respond. And he performs a miracle. The scripture says he did it quietly. He did it kind of behind the scenes. In fact, scripture would tell us that his mother was aware that he did it. The disciples was aware of it. And the servants. They were the only ones that knew it. But because Jesus honored his mom... Because the servants obeyed, they they filled the, the jugs with water, they brought them to him, he told them to dip a cup full and take it to the wine tester. Because of those acts of obedience, along the way, it happened. A miracle. Now here's my question for you. What what is it today? that you're not obeying, that's getting in the way? What is it that you need to push aside? What is it you need to address in in your life? Where is it God's pressing you? Where is it you need to change? Friends, it is time to put faith to action. James 2.18 says, But someone may say, You have faith, I have actions. Show me your faith without actions, and I will show you my faith by what? By my actions. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Jesus performs a miracle, and at the very moment that it happens, the disciples put their faith in him. So get this. When... When we look to God, when we look to Jesus Christ for the solution in our life, when we put our faith in him, here's what happens. Jesus Christ is revealed through our lives. What God does in your life, other people see. And it changes everything. You know, John 2:11 it says, Jesus did this. The, the first of his signs is talking about this miracle in Canaan of Galilee at the wedding and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. It changed their life. Now, now they're, they're all in. Many of you today, I know, I've had conversations with. And, and the fact is, the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Life is pressing and you can feel it. Many of you have unmet expectations. Maybe maybe it's in a relationship or your job or in your finances or in your marriage or something with with your kids. But you're in a situation and you're just like, I can't keep doing this. 
And I want to challenge you to make today the day that you give it to Jesus Christ. That you turn to Him for the solution. Maybe you see no solutions. The God that created this world is a God of solutions. God, at some point, you just have to give God control. You just have to say, you know what, I will fully obey you. Whatever it is you call me to, I will do it. You allow him to show up in your life and perform some kind of miracle. Because here's what I know. He absolutely will see you through whatever it is you're going through. And it doesn't mean it will turn out always like we want. But he will give you the strength to get through. And when he shows up, and he's shown up in many of your lives, you give him credit. You give him glory. You let it be known. You let other people know it. Because people, when they see it, it changes them. Because of what God's doing in your life right now, you may change other people's lives. It is an amazing thing to watch when God shows up, when God performs a miracle, it changes not only you, it changes the people around you. Now, I don't know, anyone need a miracle today? But I would challenge you, put it down on paper and say, you know what, God, I'm looking to you now. I've been doing everything else, but I'm looking to you and I'm listening and I'm going to obey you. Next week, we'll pick pick this up. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Our most holy God. I know there are people here today and they need a miracle. I know there are those here today that they're not sure they can hold it together. I know there are people here today that finances have come undone. Jobs have went south. Relationships are just a mess. I know there are people here today that their hearts are broken. They're facing challenges they never dreamed of. But you are the God that created this world, you're the one that calmed the seas. You're the one that parted the waters. And God, I pray that we would turn to you. When we're weak, it's when you're at your very best. God, we thank you for the promises of your word. And I pray that we would just trust you and obey all you call us to. And we give you the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.